You're listening to Radio ISO, the podcast bringing you notes from isolation and stories about the people we're missing. I'm your host, Emily Sargent. Today I spoke to my friend B to catch up about her fourth week in lockdown. this morning that you had an appointment yeah was it yeah. for your shoulder yeah but obviously because of the pandemic not not many people are practicing and I don't even know what the deal is like whether I'm allowed to be going but I was just in agony and like couldn't move so I just I thought if I just cycle there see him and come home then maybe it's fine but he was he was absolutely mad I mean it makes sense that the only person still practicing is like an odd, (laughs) (laughs) but he was like, he'd ask me a question and I'd answer it. And then he'd repeat the information back to me like five minutes later, as if it was a sort of slightly psychic realization. So he'd be, I I, I really hate it. Do you you know what I mean though? Yes. It was like, yes, yes. You're, I I knew that you'd be feeling this way. What? I just told you that. He said, how long has the pain been going on for? And I was like, four years. And he, when I said that, he cut me off. And then he'd sort of ask a question and then interrupt me while I was answering. But then, like, when he was... T- and, and he also used baby oil, which I was like... Is- oh, Emily, I'm sorry. This isn't, this, isn't <laughs> I, this isn't the guy I went to see that time who did the, who did the acupuncture through my jeans. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. I went to see that guy in Notting Hill and I was like, oh, I'd been forced to go. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah. And I got there and I remember Will being like, taking me to this horrible, like, terrifying serial killer's flat and then being like, okay, I'll just leave you here. And then he started being like, yes, I'm just going to do some um, acupuncture. And then he just started sticking needles into my legs through my trousers. <laughs> I don't think this is right. <laughs> the catalogue of people between us that we've seen who are just should not be practicing. Yes. Do you remember <laughs> when I went to see that man who was um who was wearing a lab coat? Who was like he was a he... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's also always a bad sign. But uh, but I should say uh, and not a doctor. So he was like a shaman. And right, okay. <laughs> but he liked to just the look he liked to look medical yeah he was wearing like a stained lab coat and like a butcher (laughs) (laughs) and then there was that other woman who was also sort of like she was a masseuse but also a healer and she was in the bottom of like an organic food shop and when I we were halfway through the session I noticed there was a cat litter tray in the corner and I was like where is the cat what is happening (laughs) Why do you keep a cat litter tray in here? It's probably for the clients, the cat litter tray. Because you got, you got desperate in the middle. I had oh, that... Um, when I was in India, I had that um, horrendous... Can you remember when I told you about that massage I had? Where oh, yeah. I was like, oh, this will be really nice. I've had, like, the worst... Like, <laughs> the worst stomach upset ever. 
I'll go and have a nice like Ayurvedic massage in this like little tiny place. That'll be really nice. I got into this room where I was promptly stripped nude by a very angry woman who then proceeded to fashion me a g-string out of a piece of, a piece of linen, which she like forcibly did on, like she literally like dragged it up my bum, and then she just started throwing oil and things at me and then it was really hot and I was trying to tell her the oil was too hot and she just wasn't this <laughs> and then she just made me lie in this big like it was like a pipe that had been split in half and she made me lie in this like metal pipe and just literally threw oil at me while I just lay there writhing around in this <laughs> literally by this point totally see-through g-string <laughs> and then i was thinking, just let this be over just let this be over and when it was over she was like it's over so i got out of, i got up sl- slithered out of this pipe and then she just pushed me into a small wooden cupboard in the corner of the room which i was too tall for and really tall and just started hosing me down <laughs> with like a carcher pressure washer i was, I was like this is I'm violated on so many levels. It was just terrific. It really was not what I had in mind. I'm Um, interested, though, that you decided to go after um, having a really bad stomach upset. Well, you can imagine that the the, the linen (laughs) G-string was was a serious gamble. That was when I was travelling with a friend and um, we (laughs) we stayed in this, like, really peculiar kind of guest house and... We were the only people there, which was terrifying. And also, when we went into our room, the room looked normal. Then you went into the bathroom, and the bathroom only had, like, two walls. It just didn't have. It just, what was where the missing walls were? Just the open air. Oh. <laughs> it was just, there was just open air. There was nothing there. Oh and so God. there was, like... It was just, it was just really, really weird. We I hate... For long. My... One of the things that I will never understand is why, like, when you pay for a romantic hotel, not don't know if this was or not, but when you... <laughs> Trust me, this was... This was but if you pay for, like, a nice um, sort of, yeah, like, yeah, romantic room, and then they have the bathroom, but the door has just, like, air on the top and bottom and is, like, missing yeah. a part. I don't and... understand that. It's insane. I went through um, a girls' weekend away with Pat, a couple of years ago we were in Parma and we arrived and like <laughs> in this hotel room they'd had they tried to kind of make, it was it looked nice I guess but the shower was effectively a glass box just in the middle of the room <laughs> oh I've been I've had one I've had that before yeah so I was like okay I was away with my friend so we had to just be like well um I'm going to be obviously going in the shower now. Hopefully it'll steam up a bit, but I mean, you're going to see me just nude, you know, fully cleansing myself. Even if you're away with a partner and there's a bath in the middle of the room, I sort of hate it because the joy of a bath for me is just like having... Privacy. Yeah, where you can, I don't know, scrub your back or whatever you want to do. Yeah, absolutely, scrub your back. God, I've been doing so... My back, by the way, is soft butter soft this is mainly because the only thing i can think to do at the moment is submerge myself in water i just i'm it's the bath is just my sanctuary i oh, can't same. i'm only happy when it's basically 
the only time of the day when I'm actually happy. Totally um, agree. So, yeah, so I've been spending quite a lot of time in there. I'm also really craving swimming and obviously can't oh, do that at all. But um, I, I just, I really want the feeling of cold water on me as well. I cannot think of an activity I'd rather do less than that. Like, it's just, te- it te- the concept of dark, eel-infested waters <laughs> underneath me, I just, yeah. it doesn't, I don't enjoy it. I would be too scared. I'm... I, sp- I do spend a lot of the time in the water feeling frightened, but I'm trying to like, <laughs> I try to get over that because I like the physical feeling of the cold. I just don't want to think about what's below me. I went back to The Handmaid's Tale this week, which I know I need to stop doing, but then to try and like come down from that, I watched a nature program and it was about the deep sea and that did make... Soothe you. No, it was frightening. <laughs> Whenever I think about deep sea, I just have like quite frightening flashbacks of that bit in the Titanic when they're sort of, you know, at the start of the film when they're at the bottom in the submarine and they sort of find like old spectacles and things. And there's oh yeah, oh, terrifying. Um, anyway, just <laughs> they find like. Just old detritus, you know, spectacles, false hips, walking sticks, canes, glass eyes, you know. A glass eye would be bloody frightening. A glass eye would be terrifying. Imagine lifting Especially... up a rock and just seeing that staring <laughs> at you. A perfect glass eye. How are you feeling this week? Oh, I'm alright, Bean. I just, I'm a bit fed up, I can't lie. I was a bit nervous about this call because I was like, don't think I've got anything to give but then as ever you know our chats have just made me feel I, I immediately feel better um I felt the same it's been well it's not been a great week it's, it's no. like I'm, I'm fine but I don't feel I don't feel very buoyant and we were like on a message thread this morning with some friends and <laughs> I felt like Kaylee and this other couple have been like having this great fun like upbeat chat there in LA and they were like sending pictures of where they are and things and then I um sort of entered the chat half an hour later and just essentially just saying <laughs> I feel really sad and then I was like oh hello. god hello Debbie Downer so uh, I sort of made a note to myself to try not to do that again but um what have you been doing though? What have I been doing this week? Well, I've tried to sort of recommence Mrs. Sprout's school. You know how the home during the homeschooling, Mrs. The children, Sprout's school. The children have decided on day one of homeschooling that they were going to call me Mrs. Sprout. <laughs> <laughs> you they, did not tell me that. Yeah, the children have called me Mrs. Sprout the whole time I've been homeschooling them, and I've they made me call them the Little Sprouts. Oh. Um. So Mrs. Sprout's school has reopened. To to very limited with very limited success. I mean, I'm imagining when you're teaching, you're wearing a sort of um, like sort of medieval. You know where they had those kind of cloth things on on your head, (laughs) and then a sort of pinny. What's the name for that kind of a woman? Like a. I don't know what you're talking about. You You know, know, like, if you're imagining Oliver Twist, it might be, like, the woman who was serving the gruel. Oh, like a sort of peasant high (laughs) wench woman. 
Washerwoman. Washerwoman is a nicer way of saying I wasn't going for a peasant hack. <laughs> I just was very confused. For a moment, there was a just flash. Mrs. Sprout conjures up sort of semi Dickensian, yeah. that's all. Well, Mrs. Sprout, obviously, I think Harry's inspiration for Mrs. Sprout was Miriam Margulies as Mrs. Sprout in the Harry Potter film. Oh, um, right. And I think he was kind of hoping that, you know, I was going to be some kind of crazy herbologist who was going to teach him about <laughs> magic plants. But I'm like, can we just do some basic mental maths? And yeah, so that's just been a bit tough. And, but Harry, and then also how, oh, Chuggy started riding a bike this week, which was really funny. Oh. Um, And she's like so considered, like, she kind of got the hang of it a week ago and then this week she's kind of just totally nailed it. She's so different to Harry. She's just so like, so there's so much focus and intent in everything that she does. So there's no kind of like messing about, you know, she's on, as soon as she kind of gets a helmet on, there's a sort of little, a little I don't know, everything about her is just so kind of intense. And she's like, uh, when you take her hands off the, the handlebars when she's finished, the hands are like red raw. <laughs> She's just been like gripping on so intensely to the handlebars, and you keep, I keep catching, I keep catching bits of like her tiny tongue, just like peeping oh. out of the corner of her mouth as she like takes the corners and stuff. But she's really, she's quite funny. And then, so if we took her on a bike ride after their tea last night, and when we, got, and then we got home, and I put, I put Juggy on the toilet. And then when I went back in, or Will went back in, Will was like, Chuggy's asleep. She'd fallen asleep Aww. on the toilet, like Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> Except she was in a, she was, she was in a nighty. She wasn't in like a rhinestone-covered, <laughs> you know, jumpsuit and wig. But she keeps going into these fugues and then going, when I say, what's wrong? She just says... Things like, I'm worried about my friends in this virus. I've just been watching endless episodes of Rick's, who is a complete, it's a very odd man, but he just blunders around the world going to nice places. <laughs> Endlessly, like, almost accidentally insulting people but sort of oh, getting God. away with it sweating into shirts um Ugh. i just find it quite <laughs> i've like, never really got into rick stein i think i kind of just there's that sort of a, group of old white male chefs and i'm just yeah. not like <laughs> old white male chefs. well i'm just sort of not i'm like what what about you is interesting to me and i, yeah. and I don't what a way to just cut cut Rick Stein down I suppose it's not fair for me to to, because I was about to say Gordon Ramsay but I I dislike him for very different reasons I don't really I I can't judge Rick I don't know him well you've put you've just put him you've put him right in his place now you've basically said Rick fuck off back to Padstow (laughs) with with, with all your fucking fear that's maybe where it comes from because we went to Padstow in September and I was like, it's quite annoying that you own this town. Like, give yeah, someone else he, a chance, Rick. Yeah, he has monopolised that area a little. 
can you remember when we got to that campsite? I mean, who needs to book a campsite in Italy and, you know, in Tuscany oh in God. August? Not us, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> when we got there and there was like, basically we arrived at that campsite and the guy just laughed in our faces and then said, oh, well, I mean, if you want, you can put a tent there. And it was just this, a tiny square of parched. <laughs> it was like a sun-baked anthill. It was like <laughs> at a sort of seventy degree angle. Literally at a seventy degree angle. Yes, you can put your one man pop up tent there. Oh my that god! In thirty five degree heat, it was awful. And that was also the day that we lost the car keys for the store. I can't car. talk about that. But didn't even realise that we lost them. Someone hung them on our washing line. Why was there a I'm washing so, line? I don't know. We didn't have a washing line. It was oh. someone else's. Everyone around us was like proper full-on camping and we were just morons with a, <laughs> with, a, with a bag of cigarettes. I remember as well being like, oh, we've got this tent, we're going to save money. Of the 21 days that we're away, like 14 of them will be camping and we did that night and then no more. <laughs> and then like, Emily, the fact that you literally <laughs> you carried that tent strapped to your wheelie kit. It cost... <laughs> It cost, we could have stayed in a five-star hotel Because everywhere we went, we had to pay extra. <laughs> it was like, are you bringing that tent on board? Oh, right. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to set fire to it, but I borrowed it from someone. So I could... <laughs> Do you remember the day in Corfu when we walked probably for over an hour, basically down a dual carriageway to try and find this beach that had been described as the most <laughs> stunning beach in Greece. And then we were like, this must be it. We've been walking along a dual carriageway for an hour and we've done what he said. And then we got there and both of us, like our feet were sort of cut and blistered. We were like in searing heat with no water. I was well, probably, I was probably wearing, wearing a tent. And then, I was probably wearing the beach. What the BG sandal, which was a thong leather, sa- <laughs> thong leather sandal with, with a gold heel, a gold block, gold heel, and also for anyone listening to this, I've got the widest feet you've ever seen. So any kind of delicate sandal means that my the sides of my feet are actually on the pavement. The we got there, and it was basically a sort of slag heap. It was just a, a, a kind of. <laughs> Like a garbage site full of it like. Was, it was like a garbage site. <laughs> but you know what? Credit to us. Somehow, I mean, the situation could not have been worse. Like, in term, I mean, in terms of a day at the beach, not in terms of like life. Yeah. Um, but so we got there. We're like roasting hot, probably really dehydrated, and we. Tr- I'm still blessed. definitely hungover. Definitely hungover. <laughs> But we'd still laid down those towels over the <laughs> Coke cans and broken glass. And <laughs> oh, that trip though, what I would give to do that trip now. No. I think that's why I've enjoyed <laughs> just to bring the conversation seamlessly back to Rick Stein. I think that's why I've enjoyed, <laughs> why I've enjoyed watching Rick because it's just like escapism, you know, it's like the yeah. thought of being able to go away I, I think actually my my sort of how I experience the world is so small that I keep ha- suddenly I keep having to kind of shake myself and being like Buzzy remember that this is the world this isn't mm. just you this is the entire world everybody every you know like 
most countries are, you know, you know, everybody is being really significantly affected by what's going on. But, but I don't just... think that's you like having. I don't. I I feel like that's just a natural thing that we we know what we know and what we experience, yeah. and it's yeah. it's out of the ordinary that what we're experiencing would also be happening in south america like yeah that, that's not no. it's not the norm um no. i no. i had the same thing because i've like you been wanting to watch tv and film that feels like escapism and so like you know seeing paris on the tv i'm like oh yeah. god i give anything to be walking along the river and doing this and then and it takes a couple of seconds and then i think Oh God! Imagine what it must look like there now. Part of me forgets that the world isn't turning outside. Yeah, I know. You feel like, Britain. oh, they're all. Everyone will be sitting on the Champs Elysees, just doing what they're normally doing. <laughs> and it's like, no, no one is there. No one's mm. doing anything. You know. Um, yeah. No, it's it's just it, it's just. Where would be if you could? What where would be your dream place to go to if you could just, if everyone was healthy and well? and the world was normal, and you could go somewhere tomorrow, where would you go? Um, I think I'd probably go... I would definitely go... I think I would just go to, like, Florence and just cry my way around the beautiful, <laughs> the beautiful sights of the city. And just, yeah, I just... The thought of being... And also just, I think in my current state, the thought of having access to large quantities of Italian food would be really great. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's what I would do. It is weird because I've sort of never wanted to travel more, but also never wanted to travel less. Like I keep I seeing these places and thinking, oh my God, I would love, like what I would yeah. give to be there. But also part of me just can't think of anything worse than getting on a plane. And not just no. for like these reasons, but just I hate getting on planes. Part of me just really wants to be in the countryside, so like Scotland yeah. or... Yeah, I have to say I'm quite jealous of... Um, my parents live in the countryside and I think it must be really nice in this... You're less overlooked, do you know what I mean? You kind of feel like you have a bit more freedom, you've got a bit just to kind of commune with nature. Mm. But, you know, you can kind of just sort of get away... You know, I don't know what... I, I mean, I God, I don't live in London, so... I can't even imagine. Hats off to it. I really do have a huge quantity of respect for people that are doing, dealing with this and living in, you know, big cities. I think it must be extra hard. I really do think it must be extra hard because it's just, there's no reprieve, especially if you have kids and you're yeah. in, you know, flats and you can't get outside. And, oh, God, I just think it must be... I really do have a huge, huge amount of respect and admiration because I just think it must be very, very difficult. Do you think, actually, this is a question I wanted to ask you. Do you think that things, do you think people will just go back to being, do you think everything will just, I mean, obviously, time allowing do you think everything will just go back to being the same or do you think people will do you think people will change do you think you know the do you think the world will change or do you just think it will be like oh back on with exactly what we were doing before i keep thinking about this every day and and yeah. my feelings about it change quite a lot i think largely i think less will change 
that I would hope. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people are going to have that feeling of when the gates open, feeling excited about being able to travel, and there will be a lot of jessing around the world. I think my understanding is that scientists genuinely didn't know the world would be able to recover as quickly as it has done in this period, or as this period's demonstrated. So, like wildlife regenerating and all of those yeah. things. And so I wonder if having that knowledge might mean that we can do more to help when this is over, because we didn't know those things before. Yeah. But I think yeah. people's attitudes... I sort of think the people who cared about the planet before still will still and maybe care, will yeah. more. But on yeah. the whole, I don't know. Yeah. For myself, I think I'll be changed forever by this. But it may yeah. be that the effect of that lessens over time. But I think I've learned things about myself that I didn't know and that I maybe it would have taken a lot longer to to know. Or maybe I never would have if I hadn't been forced into this time of reflection yeah i know i i think i feel the same i think that things will i don't think things will change as much as i'd like them to change but i guess i think that on an environmental level it's nice that it's good this evidence is a positive thing that you know things you know in a relatively short time things can improve mm. and hopefully you can kind of use that information to beat people over the head <laughs> Mm. um but on a personal level I totally agree with you I think I've realized things about what I actually value and what actually adds value to my life and yeah I I was listening to somebody speak far more eloquently about this the other day but something really struck me that he said which was he was talking about a disaster that had happened in his life and how it made him realize that he'd been sleepwalking up until that point yeah and I and I felt very I suppose I've been on a bit of a treadmill really for the last 10 years or eight years yeah. maybe and it's stepping off that I, I've been having strange experiences and I don't <laughs> I don't know if it's I don't know I'm also doing EMDR therapy and I, and I wonder if that's also got a part to play but I just, I, I feel, I'm feeling things that I haven't for a long time. And I just wonder if, or noticing things as well, either in the world or in my body. Uh, and, and I don't know if it's that I've got a better connection to my consciousness because there's not all of this background noise. Like I'm just staying physically more still I'm not able to distract myself as much. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. It sounds. Oh, I wish I was. I. I'm definitely feeling new levels of like. Uh, there is something. I. I mean, I as as I said the last time we spoke. I definitely feel that. I think I've. I've. I'm not failed at lockdown because I always say I failed, but I definitely feel that I could have approached things better. Probably looking back, but. How? I, I don't know. I just feel like I could have been more hit the ground running. I think I was kind of like, oh, this can't be happening. Oh, my and God. Then it... You cannot be adding that to your Mrs. Sprout. You've got two children to homeschool. <laughs> I can't believe you're adding pressures. Oh, my God, Mrs. Sprout. 
Do you ever go to knock on the door of the staff room? And being yeah, like, and trying Ooh. to see around the corner. <laughs> yeah, trying to see around the corner. <laughs> trying to see the teachers in the wild. Yeah. <laughs> and how, do you know, it always used to make me feel a bit sick seeing um, <laughs> seeing, seeing teachers, like if you bump, like, bumped into them on the high street or something, I'd be like, oh, I don't oh, want to... Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to think about their lives, <laughs> which no. is so unreasonable. Don't, to... let, don't let your dirty teacher life touch my life. <laughs> but I was like, oh, it made me feel really uncomfortable, like getting a window into their private life. I don't know I why. Know. What's your um, What's your weekly recommendation or piece of advice for people for this weekend? I hate this bit. I always feel (laughs) (laughs) I always get panic. There's a sort of cold sweat emerging (laughs) down my back. The sleeping tiger thing. The sleeping tiger thing. Um, This is um, an author called George Sanders. And he um, is a lecturer and writer. And he wrote this email to his students, which was just really amazing. And in it, he described the universe as a sleeping tiger and said that we are like Barbies and Kens that live on the back of this tiger and that sometimes it wakes up and things happen, like people die and our worlds fall apart, obviously, or our hearts get broken or, in this case, there is a global pandemic. But we just have to try and, you know maintain the hope that eventually the tiger that lets us live on his back just goes back to sleep and that things will you know resume more of a kind of the rhythm that we're you know life will go back well hopefully resemble more the lives that we were used to living and I really found that just like kind of scary and comforting in equal measure because I was like that I felt like that really was so true you know we don't actually have any control over anything and I think that's a really deeply frightening thing to come to terms with but Mm. almost the more we the more we can come to terms with it and face it down the you know the better it kind of the easier it is to, to sort of let let it wash over you basically yeah I think it's also can be liberating as well that sense that you're yeah. a small thing on a world that continues to turn even when yeah. we have um illness and problems um yeah i also love the thing that he said which i i'm trying to do which was he was saying it's very important that you keep working in this time yeah. um and and that, that people bear witness and I, I keep thinking about that phrase and thinking on the days when I'm beating myself up for not being productive or, or writing or doing, you know, creating something. I just think actually if you can notice how you feel and how other people feel and what's happening today, yeah, maybe that's totally. enough. I suppose I'm trying to I'm trying to keep a record of this time. Well, that's the thing. We're going to have to, even people that aren't writers are going to have to, explain to people in the future or whatever you know I keep imagining Harry in 50 years time saying you know when I was five when I was six there was this huge global event happened and you know everything changed and blah blah blah. and 
you can imagine and and I think this he's, George Sanders says this in the podcast where he says about the eye roll that we'll all do that the future generations will do the eye roll which is like oh yeah you know oh god here he goes off he goes with a story about you know it's like you know the, the aged relative that wants to talk about the war all the time or something mm. this will just become that and it is so important that people are kind of not just dismissing not dismissing each day but kind of like you say recording on some level mm. you know how it was and how they felt and what it was like and so that you know it's catalogued and recorded and it's there so that we can kind of look back on it because this will be one of those things where you look back and go I, I cannot believe that happened mm. and it feels like the huge big events that happen or the figures like the numbers of deaths will be the things that yeah. people remember but actually the the way we're living day to day and the strange patterns and routines that we've got into yeah. and this those small details are going to be the things that probably I would forget that I don't want to because I feel want like that'll to. be the key to remembering it in yeah. 10 years time no I know I think that's I think that's really I think that I think that is actually really important if you'd like to tell us about someone you're missing we'd love to hear from you Get in touch at radioisopodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at radioisopod. <laughs>